Good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, alongside me as usual, CFP, Allison DeBrill. Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, the city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our client's interest ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals. But that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second, fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. And that's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area that we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it is a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. You got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone, give us a call, 627 7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, 43Bs, TSPs, IRAs, uh, mortgage options, social security claiming strategies or estate planning, wills and trusts, all that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance. We are here to discuss tonight, 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two, 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 two. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I kept seeing this was a big deal, so I was like, what is this? I where, guess it's just a palindrome. Where were you at 222 this afternoon? Oh, Oh, working. Mm. Very dutifully. Good. Very Hard, dutifully working. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this is a big momentous day, and we'll, we'll be celebrating it here on air tonight. Uh, to kick things off tonight, we wanted to go back to the topic that we were talking about on our last show, and that was inheritance and the best assets to inherit or the best assets to leave. It was a really popular topic. I think uh, a lot of listeners are either on the receiving end of this massive wealth transfer that's beginning from the baby boomer boomer generation, or maybe you yourself are preparing your affairs, preparing your estate plan, or looking at ways to transfer assets to your heirs. So we've got, we wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that topic and try to address the most efficient way to try to transfer 
assets. Yeah, so we got some unfinished business from last show. We'll try to pick up on that, get through some more of the uh, technical aspects of uh, inheritance, different types of assets, uh, best ways to set up those assets so that they transfer efficiently uh, to your heirs in the manner that you intend them to receive. But first, as promised, when you get a caller on the line, going to go out to that caller. We're going to go out to Virginia Beach right now and speak with Clay. Good evening, Clay. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Yes, how are you doing? Just a quick question on Social Security. Uh, do you guys have a particular formula when you take it at what age? Uh, you know, I guess there's no right or wrong answer depending on how long you live and what you're going to do in the market. Mm-hmm. But do you guys uh, have a rule of thumb as far as I really don't need to take it uh, now or ever, but uh, it is coal indexed. Mm-hmm. Well, you hit the nail right on the head, Clay. If you can tell us exactly how long you're going to live, we'll tell you exactly when to claim Social Security. It's easy. (laughs) Um, But in the absence of that, no, there's no hard and fast rule because it, it varies so much depending on your health, your life expectancy, your financial situation, your family dynamics, if you have a spouse, how old your spouse is, what other income sources you have, what other savings you have. Um, But we can kind of talk it through high level with you tonight and see if we can point you in the right direction. Well, you know, it's, it's, I'm just trying to maximize it. Uh, um, if, If you need it, wait as long as possible and the other rule if you don't need it take it and invest it so uh i've been sort of blessed and i could take it whenever i want it i'm not really dependent on it but uh my spouse is about seven years younger and how i'm 68 okay so you're 68 and your spouse is 61 and are you still working uh i'm retired from my uh, one job but I'm, i run my own business Okay. Does your spouse work? Yeah, she flips houses. She does pretty well at that. Mm. Are you paying yourself W-2 wages, Clay? No, no. Well, uh, she's not. She, of course, she's a sole proprietor. You know, the income of the business is hers. But we are not taking W-2 wages. We just, you know, pay the tax on the, on the partnership mm-hmm. and, you know, take the money as we need it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you have any other sort of guaranteed retirement income, or will you just be living solely on Social Security yeah, and your nest egg? PBGC. Well, yeah, I got PBGC too. The uh, the airline uh, took our retirement, turned it over to the you know the pension fund at the government. But I've, I've got a exactly what I'm going to do with that. But uh, I'm going to take that at seventy and, and let the beneficiary be my daughter. So, um, my my only question was, what would be the right time to take the Social Security? I'm thinking at age 70, but, you know, there's no right or wrong answer there, I presume. Will your spouse have her own benefit? Yeah, she'll have, she has, she'll have a pretty good uh, Social Security when she, she becomes of age. Okay. She's got about five more years to wait. I think it's 60.6 for her age. It's 66 for me. I'm a couple of years past it. So, Yeah, she would probably be age 67 is her full retirement age then. All yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're in good shape. I just didn't know how you guys uh, 
quantified the, the age that you take it. Mm-hmm. Well, like you pointed out rightly at the beginning, your life expectancy is, is a major factor. So if you think you have a high probability of living into your mid-80s, then uh, it typically does make sense to wait and earn those delayed retirement credits, meaning your benefit let your benefit grow by 8% per year up until 70. But we really don't like to make that decision in a vacuum. It's really important to look at your entire financial situation and whether or not you would be, you know, spending from your portfolio between now and age 70 because that would be a big factor. If you needed if you needed to spend from your portfolio, a case could be made for claiming social security. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case right now. Yeah, and we hear a lot of people say they want to they'll, they'll take social security and then turn around and invest it. Um, we tend to think that that is not the best idea um, because each month you delay or each year you delay uh, Social Security, you're going to get an 8% uh, increase in that benefit. That's a solid rate of return uh, guaranteed. Um, you can't get 8% guaranteed uh, through other investments. So usually hold off until you need it or there's good reason for wanting it. And there can be. We have Sometimes clients choose to take it early, say, you know, as early as 62. Um, Like Allison said, that prevents them from having to draw from their nest egg or draw down their savings as much or as quickly. And it's at a period of time when they're relatively young, healthy, and active. And so they can use that money to enhance their quality of life for additional travel or gifting or that type of thing uh, instead of waiting uh, just trying to maximize Social Security benefits over a lifetime. We can tell you from professional experience, most people, once they get to their 90s, aren't really spending a whole lot of money on those life events. Um, it might be other things, but but not that uh, those things that add to quality of life as much. So sometimes it could just be for purely um, lifestyle reasons, too. Yeah, I think I think you helped me on uh, that answer. That makes a lot of sense. But uh, thank you very much, guys, and you have a great evening. Mm-hmm. All right, Clay, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 627-7979. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal finance situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call. We're going to step aside for a short break. We'll be right back after these messages. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Tonight, we're talking about inheritance. What are the best assets to inherit? 
whether you are on the receiving end, we'll talk about that, or if you are looking at getting your affairs in order and looking to pass on a legacy, we'll talk about things you can do to make sure that is smooth because we know from professional experience that uh, when someone passes away and there is inheritance moving from person to person that emotions are obviously heightened and if there is confusion or misunderstandings or um, maybe some things weren't you know communicated out in the open then Mm -hmm. it can be sometimes uh, it can destroy relationships and families so Mm -hmm. being upfront about things and having a plan can help prevent things going awry. Yeah, we're seeing less of it nowadays, but uh, there was a time early on, more early on in my career, where we still were dealing with some of the children of the Depression era, where you just didn't talk about money at all with your kids for any reason under any circumstances. And that lack of communication can cause way more problems than whatever you're concerned about with the communication. Um, I think a lot of it just happened to be, I don't know, tradition or, um, I, I don't know, I guess just an ingrained feeling among the culture that, uh, you know, the kids don't need to know anything. They don't have, you know, it's not their business, it's our business. Well, okay, maybe up to a certain extent, but once your children become adults, especially once they get into their, say, 50s, and you're in your, say, 70s, um, then usually people are mature enough to be able to handle these conversations in the spirit that they're attended. Uh, And so we we do highly recommend that um, when you're putting together an estate plan and planning for inheritance, you at least give your kids the big picture idea of what you're thinking, uh, what you're trying to accomplish, and where the important documents are kept, and that, that sort of thing. Because we know by sitting with the survivors, when that information isn't communicated, there's a big black hole. Not only are they dealing with the grief of loss with their parent, um, but they are also trying to figure out what mom or dad would have wanted with this money or with these, you know, artifacts. Stocks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah, figurines. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. The knickknacks in the house, yeah. the, sentiment, the sentimental stuff, as well as uh, the financial things as well. And, and when there's not good communication there, that, that causes its problems. We see it firsthand either among the siblings um, and or with just the kids themselves trying to figure out, you know, how to be a good steward of this money in the absence of any direction from the parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we want to talk about the different types of assets that you may find yourself inheriting. The the first, the easiest, I guess we can call it the best maybe, that uh, we want to talk about is cash. Cash is king. So if you find that you have an inherited some cash. I think the first question everybody asks is, well, what kind of tax am I going to owe? Know that if you inherit cash, you are most likely, probably, I don't know the actual percentage, but let's just call it 99.9% of people who inherit something are not going to be subject to estate tax because you are only subject to estate tax when your um, estate is over 12 million dollars so if you're under 12 if you're you're 
loved one's estate is under $12 million, then you're not looking at a tax issue. And when cash comes to you, that is free and clear and yours to do with what you please. Right. In the state of Virginia, there is no inheritance tax. So uh, the estate tax goes with the decedent, the person who dies. And then the inheritance, potential inheritance tax, would be from somebody who receives um transfer of assets via inheritance. In Virginia, there is not uh, a an estate tax or um, an inheritance tax. That is not true for every state. Don't die in New Jersey, by the way. Yes. Uh, we hear stories <laughs> about that often. Lots of people die in New Jersey. <laughs> and their estates get tied up for a long time. And they, they pay a lot of money. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but in Virginia, anyway... Um, you, re- receiving uh, assets via inheritance are a tax-free event. So if you inherit tax, don't worry. I'm sorry, if you inherit cash, you shouldn't have to worry about taxes. But you should, especially if it's a significant lump sum, you should have a plan. You should, hopefully you're working with a, a financial advisor. If not, get yourself aligned with a good, trustworthy, certified financial planner who can help you come up with a plan because uh, very quickly cash can be just whittled away. And before you know it, what would have been a significant financial leg up can now just vanish in in short order. And while there are certainly worse things to do with newfound inheritance money, um, we often see people taking big lump sums and paying off their house with it. And we will reiterate what we say here, have been saying for the last decade or more, given the low interest rate environment we're in, if you have a mortgage that's in the threes or even low fours, then there's probably a better use of that money than paying off that low-cost mortgage debt. Um, Once you do that, the equity is in your house, and you can't eat your house, and your house is not that liquid. So um, so there are worse things to do, but there are also better things to do than paying off your house with a lump sum. Right. Think twice about that. Now, for people who are planning for their estate plan or their legacy, if you are planning to give cash, just a a word of caution, be careful about having it spread out among 10 million different accounts. Uh, We do see circumstances where mom or dad had multiple, multiple bank accounts where there was cash in the coffee can in the freezer. I mean, I don't know if that happens nowadays. Oh, it happens. As people age, they do start doing things like that. Oh, it happens. So uh, we always stress, consolidate and simplify as much as possible. Um, I know a lot of people are worried about the FDIC limits and making sure they don't have too much in one bank. There are ways around that by just having slightly different titled accounts, but um, consolidate bank accounts. You don't need 10 different bank accounts. Coming from someone who is the queen of buckets. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And right now the the insurance limit, uh, FDIC insurance limit is up to $250,000 per uh, bank. So for most people, that's going to cover, you know, most all of their bank Assets, so you don't have to spread it around town. Most people don't have to spread it around town just to make sure you get maximum insurance coverage. And by the way, when was the last time a U.S. bank went fully, totally belly up? So mm-hmm. the probability of risk is exceptionally low. So don't over 
overcomplicate your life unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. On those bank accounts, it's always a good idea to have what they call a payable on death, or sometimes it's a transfer on death designation. That's a way to put a beneficiary on your bank account so that it would trans- transfer directly to your intended beneficiary at your passing instead of going through probate. So that's something you may want to add to your bank accounts. Another asset that's like cash is life insurance. So if you are on the receiving end, if you're a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, that should transfer to you, I say should, relatively quickly and painlessly if you go through the steps the insurance company requires. Again, that should be tax-free inheritance money to you, and they will likely give you the option to keep the money with them in an account and take payments or take a lump sum distribution. And we almost always recommend just taking a lump sum payout of life insurance proceeds when you're the beneficiary. And life insurance proceeds almost always bypass probate. So again, a very quick and efficient way of transferring money uh, to your uh, beneficiaries. Uh, Usually they just need to show up with a uh, death certificate and fill out uh, a form or two. And usually within a matter of weeks, uh, maybe a month or so, um, you get life insurance proceeds. It's still one of the fastest and easiest ways to uh, generate an inheritance. All right, we're going to step aside for the news at the bottom of the hour here. We're going to be right, bra- right back in a few minutes. Get those calls in now, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, you can look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. There you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the uh, dialog boxes there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. want to remind everybody our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, March 8th at 6 p.m. as usual. Or you can catch this show uh, as a rebroadcast Saturday morning um, on WNIS sometime between 7 a.m. and 12 noon, whenever, uh, <laughs> Saturday after the show, uh, as a rebroadcast, or you can get us as a podcast and take us with you wherever you go. If you can't catch us live, um, search for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your co- podcast, download us and take us with you 
wherever you go. And if you want to, if you got some nuanced questions, you want to spot, speak to a live human being, you can always give us a call at the office, 456-2200. Oh, and we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn now. <laughs> uh, we got it all. You can't get away from us. No. <laughs> Facebook and LinkedIn, <laughs> Wealthway Financial Advisors. Check it out. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we are talking about inheritance. What are the best assets to inherit if you're an inheritor or the best assets to leave if you are the donator, giver? <laughs> uh, we talked about, uh, yeah, I'm stumped on that that word. The We talked about the best asset being cash. Cash is king. So you don't have to worry about too much if you inherit cash and other cash-like uh, assets like life insurance proceeds will be treated much like cash or any bank accounts that have CDs, a, money market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that kind of counts. Um, we should mention, though, that uh, a common misunderstanding is that anything that has a beneficiary like a life insurance policy, or if you have a beneficiary on your bank account or any other type of account, Anything with a beneficiary will pass directly to the beneficiary. It will not follow the instructions of your will. So many people think once they draft their will that that is what it is. And sometimes they make updates, but they don't update their account beneficiaries. And there can be a problem there. If you get divorced and your ex-wife is still the beneficiary, or maybe you had another child or there's another grandchild. So it's important to stay on top of these beneficiary designations. Yeah, and so most people's 401k plan or company-sponsored retirement plan, so 403b, TSP, um, all of those types of accounts, the IRAs that you set up, most all of those are set up with a beneficiary, um, whether you remember it or not, whether you know it or not, you have the opportunity to put a beneficiary on there, which is the probably the most efficient distribution method to pass an asset via inheritance. But like Allison was saying, it supersedes anything you say in your will. So if you think you you go to get your estate plan done and you have uh, instructions in your will that are counter to the way you have set up your beneficiaries on those accounts, the beneficiary setup governs. Those happen before your estate is settled. So you have to, there's like a two-step process here uh, to button up the entire estate plan is make sure your beneficiary designations match or align with your estate plan, the will document, and so forth. And it's not necessarily just to set it and forget it. You have to revisit it from time to time. So back to asset types, the next asset type we want to talk about is just any type of investment that's in a regular brokerage account. So that could be stocks, bonds, mutual funds, I guess it could be cash in a brokerage account. But if you inherit a brokerage account, there are a couple of things that you need to know. This is a good asset to inherit because it is... It has an extra tax benefit that when the original owner passes away, 
you get a step up in cost basis. So that's just technical mumbo jumbo to say that if mom or dad had been investing in Apple stock for the past 20 years and they had a huge gain that would have been taxed to them, so would have been subject to capital gains tax. If they sold the stock. If they sold it, yes. So and it they but they don't sell it and it gets passed to you. You now get a reset. So your basis, your baseline of where you start is on the day that you inherited that investment. And so if you sold it right away, you would have no gain. Or if you decide to hang on to it for a long term, long time, then your capital gain starts from that reset point from that baseline of when you inherited it. So that's a pretty big benefit for investments that have a large built-in capital gain. Right. So it wipes out a lot of the unrealized capital gain in the investment and then prevents, uh, when the investment is ultimately sold, it prevents uh, then a large chunk of it being exposed to tax and then you having to pay capital gains rates on on the gain, which for most people are about 15% of the profit. So um, by passing the, those types of assets in a brokerage account, they enjoy the step up in, in cost basis, which then wipes out most, if not all, of the capital gain. And when the inheritor goes to sell it, then they are subject to, very little of it is subject to taxation at that point, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, so two things to focus on if you've inherited this. One, you want to make sure you get that step up in basis. You want to make sure that that is properly done. Recorded. With, right, yeah. with your with whoever's holding the account. Yeah, so that's, that's a good point. This is something that you have to typically work with a custodian on. So the custodian, uh, you know, is where are the investments held? In a, at a bank, at a brokerage account, at a Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard? Uh, Bank of America, wherever those investments actually are, that's those are the people who you need to work through this inheritance with, or the executor does, to ensure you receive a proper step up in basis. Mm -hmm. So be aware of that and know, know to be on the lookout for that. The other point I wanted to bring up is more psychological, emotional. We often find when people inherit stocks in particular from loved ones, maybe mom or dad, who've been investing or who, you know, worked for IBM for 20 years and have been investing in IBM stock or whatever the stock is, they oftentimes have a very hard time selling the stock and moving on, even if it's the right thing for them, because they feel like keeping the stock is what mom or dad wanted. There's emotional ties. And so we just caution that, what's your quote, Kevin? You shouldn't love your, your stock. You're allowed to love your pets, are, are we? <laughs> oh, you're butchering. <laughs> love your spouse. Love your kids. Love, love your, your pets. pets. Thank you. <laughs> but don't love your stocks. They won't love you back. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yes, the point is that um, there can be emotion tied to some uh, this inheritance. Um, dad would have want me to hold on to IBM. Dad said 
never never sell the IBM stock, son. It made me a lot of money. Well, you know, that may have been true in the 70s and 80s, but it's a different world we live in, and IBM is a different company. Um, and companies, you know, even, even bellwether stalwart companies like, oh, I don't know, Sears. Kodak. Um, yeah, Kodak. <laughs> they go out of business. The technology passes them by. Their industry gets disrupted. Um, so what were your parents really leaving you? Were they leaving you the stock in a particular company? Or were they leaving you what that stock could do for you and your family? And once it's posed like that, most people say, oh, well, no, I think they really wanted you know, the value, what the value could bring to me and my family. It means that we can uh, put our kids through college without incurring a lot of debt. Or, um, you know, it means that we can uh, make sure that we have one good family vacation a year and so we develop good family memories or, or whatever. That's what most people, most parents are trying to pass along to their kids through inheritance. It's what the money can bring, not the specific vehicle that the money is in, not the specific stock or mutual fund. So don't don't get too attached to it. And again, you if you're inheriting an asset like this, you want to be working with a financial advisor who can be looking at your entire situation and making sure that the investment is aligned with your goals and fits proper, properly in your portfolio. And if not, how can you redeploy it so that it works best for your goals? Because your goals are probably different than mom and dad's. If, if nothing else, your time horizon is obviously different mm-hmm. than mom and dad. And one more note about step up in cost basis and saving some taxes. Um, we often see this mistake made is that the elderly parents will then put their adult kids on the deed to their house, deed to the parents' property. No, you should let that property pass to your kids via the probate process or via the estate planning process um, so that they get a step up in basis. If you put your adult kids on your on ownership to your house, um, you're you're essentially negating. Mm-hmm. Technically, you are negating that technique, uh, that benefit from happening of the step up in basis and the lowering of the of the tax value. Plus, there's all kinds of other complexities. If you have multiple kids and you only put the oldest one on there, and oh boy, and then it gets, uh, then they become a joint owner, and then you expose the the house to you know potentially creditors or claims against your kids, and it just gets to be a very complicated. Um, situation. So don't, elderly parents should not put their adult children on, on, as an owner on their house or their bank accounts. Really anything. Yeah. But we see also the bank accounts a lot of times as well. That's another mistake that can be corrected through other means uh, more efficiently without all the legal uh, entanglements that come with that. Yeah, really. uh, You can add someone as an authorized user on your bank account which would allow them to assist you if you needed help managing your affairs without causing all the other problems. Um, but we typically don't recommend adding a child as an owner on any of your assets for estate planning purposes. And be careful about leaving something to one kid and just assuming they'll split it up or asking them to just split it up because 
it's not that simple. There are ramifications to doing that. There are tax implications. We haven't even gotten into some of those technicalities yet. So it's best to do the planning on the front end and not rely on your heirs to, to figure it out on the back end. All right, we're talking about some of the best assets to inherit uh, tonight. And if you have a question or comment about that or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call, 627-7979. She's Allison, I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us at wealthwayadvisors.com or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter. Just go to the contact page, put in your name and address, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Our next show, next live show, will be in two weeks on Tuesday, March 8th at 6 p.m. as usual. We'll have a rebroadcast this Saturday, sometime Saturday morning of this show. So if you can't catch us live or as a rebroadcast on Saturday following the show, you can always get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Download us, take us with you wherever you go. 627-7979. If you have a question or comment relating to what we're talking Talking about or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call, 627-7979. Right now, we're going to go out to Norfolk and speak with John. Good evening, John. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, you guys just mentioned the fact, you know, and I was thinking about doing that, just putting my kids on the, uh, the houses that they live in and just leaving it to them, you know, when I go. Do you recommend that's not the way to go? Let's just clarify here, John. You are the owner of these houses? Are you talking about your your house, or I think you said multiple houses? Yeah, I have multiple houses. Uh, I'm giving one to one son, one to another son, and I was just going to put them, and they're paid off. And I was just going to say, hey, you know, guys, you're, I'm going to put you on the deed so mm-hmm. that when... Uh, myself and your mother go, it's just going to become your house. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't sure, or you you were mentioning that it that's probably not the way to go. Right. Well, if you add your child as an owner, were you thinking they'd be a joint owner with you, or were you just going to transfer ownership completely to them? No, no I was just going to make them a joint owner. Joint owner. Okay. So then that would complicate things. If you passed away, then half of the property would get to step up to the current fair market value, but their half would retain that original 
purchase price value or original cost basis. basis yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So they wouldn't get the full benefit of that step up in basis at your death. They would essentially owe more capital gains. Now, if you sell your primary residence, some of those capital gains are excluded from tax taxes, but still, that is foregoing a benefit. And by making them owner with you, that is most likely construed as a gift. Um, and given the fact that that gift would be over $15,000 in one calendar year, um, some gift tax filing, it would, it would not be a tax due necessarily, but an informational filing would be required for that type of transaction as well. So I'd be better off not giving it to them? You or can make it a owner. You can add them. You can add a transfer on death to the title of the property, or you can put it in your estate plan. So in your will document, or if you have a trust, um, you can certainly make sure that it transfers to them. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily want to add them as a joint owner. Yeah, if you're looking for the most favorable tax treatment, John, for the kids, it's it's probably to hang on to those properties uh, and allow them to receive it via inheritance. Now, there could be other reasons why you want to get them on the title or make the house, put the houses in their name. Like maybe they're, you know, they, they're old enough now and they're responsible enough now and, um, you know, they're taking care of the property, so it really should be theirs. Well, then, then you might want to talk about other ways to either gift the property outright to them or sell the property to them, maybe at a reduced cost or something like that. But usually either you should own it, you and your wife should own it completely, or your kids could should own it completely. But given the arrangement you described, it's probably not ideal to co-mingle ownership with you and your kids on these types of properties. And this is kind of, right. this is very complicated for radio, but you can... You can essentially sell the property to them and then forgive the mortgage payments over the next future years to come as a way of kind of shifting it from you to them. Yeah, there are creative ways to transfer ownership. It really depends on what's your objective Mm -hmm. here. What are you trying to solve? What do you want to do for yourselves, you and your wife? And then what do you want to do for the kids? And uh, we probably don't have time to get into all that here. But just know that you you have some options there, and you should just kind of tread carefully and maybe get some professional advice. Yeah, it sounds like that's what I should do. All right, John. Well, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Um, it you know, it illustrates perfectly, you know, what we were talking about, how mm-hmm. most often people think that that's something that they should do so that the kids have ease of inheritance of a property. Well, it actually complicates the situation a lot more than if they received it outright through inheritance. Or in your better example was the transfer on death type of designation, which is very similar to what you could do on a bank account mm-hmm. or a beneficiary designation. Um, so the a house can be passed just that easily as well with the right legal documentation in place. Right. And that's why it's important to be working with not only a financial advisor, which I've talked about throughout the show, but also a legal, a competent legal advisor. So an estate planning attorney. And I know we're out of time here. 
I wanted to mention that a really another really good asset to inherit is a Roth IRA because Roth IRAs are tax-free and have been tax-sheltered throughout your lifetime. We don't have time to go into the details of all that. Um, but no, if you inherit an asset, you should get advice before you do anything like cash it all in and, and spend it. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have for today. We will be back in two weeks on Tuesday, March 8th at 6 p.m. as usual. Or search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts and download us. Take us with you wherever you go, and then you don't have to worry about catching us live every second and fourth Tuesday. Um, for more information about us, look us up online, wealthwayadvisors.com. You can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us. For certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. The preceding program was sponsored and paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible.